Yeah, we thank the choir for uh, sharing with us the joy of Christmas. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 12 to 20, and then followed by Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Luke, chapter 1. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well alone in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When, Herod heard, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh, and have been warned in, the heart, in a dream not to go back to Harrow. They returned to their country by another route. Now Dr. Wong Chimei will proclaim to us the sermon this morning, God, are you sure about this? Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us come to ask the Lord to bless his word to us this morning. Let us pray. Father, 
we thank you for your Holy Spirit to open our hearts to hear and embrace your word as you speak to us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During the recently concluded Summer Olympics held in Tokyo in August 2021, Asian athletes were most successful in events like diving, gymnastics, archery, shooting, badminton, and table tennis. They didn't fare as well in track and field events. When I was a student in Cebu, I took part in many sporting activities, and I invite you now to make an educated guess as to what sports I would be involved in. Badminton? Yeah. Table tennis? Long jump? I did. <laughs> and the shot put. So, looking at me and my size, that came as a surprise to many fellow competitors too. Similarly, when God finally broke his silence to Israel and sent his son into the world to redeem it, was the world caught out by his coming? What kind of Messiah were they expecting? And when Christ was born, did Bethlehem sleep through it? Who should have been most prepared to welcome this long-expected Jesus, this Savior and King, this Son of David? Surely, the ones who had studied the scriptures, the priests serving in the temple, and the ruler of God's people in Israel. This morning, our two scripture texts will introduce us to three groups of people waiting for the Messiah. Firstly, Zechariah, a priest serving in the temple in Jerusalem. Secondly, Herod, king of Judea at the time of Jesus' birth under the reign of Caesar Augustus in Rome. And lastly, outsiders seeking for a new king of the Jews. So let us listen and learn from the accounts of their encounter with the message of the coming of God's Messiah and see just how prepared they were for the Christ child. And in so doing, let us examine ourselves to see how ready we are in welcoming our Lord and King. Let us turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and we will begin reading at verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Zechariah was an elderly priest serving in a temple in Jerusalem. That day, he had been chosen by Lot to trim the incense altar within the holy place, which represented the prayers of the people. This was a once-in-a-lifetime event for a priest. Above all common people, priests were descendants of Aaron, of the tribe of Levi, chosen, consecrated, 
and carefully prepared to mediate between God and his people. They would offer sacrifices to God, pray to God on behalf of his people, seek his favor, and ask for mercy and forgiveness for their sins. In turn, they would also pronounce God's acceptance of their offerings and prayers by pronouncing God's benediction upon them after presenting these before the presence in the holy place. And that day, when Zechariah was doing that, the angel Gabriel appeared to him, and he was startled and gripped with fear. Why? Well, for 400 years, there had been no word from the Lord. And after such a long time, perhaps rituals of prayer, offerings and sacrifices in the temple had become mundane and routine. Nobody expected God to turn up, not even the priests. So what about us today? Do we expect God to be here with us now in this building? And what will we do if an angel suddenly appeared? Would we all run away in fear and trepidation, leaving our pastors to face him alone? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. The angel told Zechariah that God had heard his prayer for himself and his barren wife, Elizabeth, that she would bear a son, and that they were to name him John. And he would live as a Nazarite, not touching wine or other fermented drink. And he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. His mission would be that he would go ahead of the Lord, strong and mighty, like one of Israel's greatest prophets, Elijah. And he will bring fathers and children together again. And he will turn disobedient people back to the way of thinking of the righteous. And he will get the Lord's people ready for him. But Zechariah protested in verse 18. We read, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Instead of high-fiving with the angel, hopping up and down, rejoicing that he was finally going to be a father, Zechariah coldly reminded the angel Gabriel, of his limitations. Impossible. We are too old. It's too late. His question 
how can I be sure? It's the distant echo of the first temptation of the serpent to Eve in the Garden of Eden, found in Genesis 3.1. Is it true? God, can I trust you? For too long, he had been contented to remain an anonymous priest, minding his business, saying his prayers. Did he believe in them anymore? Did he still believe that God hears prayers and does something about them? Had he forgotten what God did for his forefather, Abraham, and his wife, Sarah? How Isaac, whose name meant laughter, remember, was given to this couple when they were in their 90s? And are we any different? Sunday after Sunday, we fill the pews, mutter our prayers, sing our songs. Do we come into the presence of the Lord wearing seat belts and crash helmets, expecting the Lord of creation to be here among us? Or has the good news become so familiar to us that we fall asleep into a deep slumber? Are we simply going through the motions, offering half-hearted worship? The angel's reply was swift and decisive. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Judgment came upon Zechariah, because firstly, he doubted the power and grace of God, protesting against the prophecy of his son's birth. Therefore, speech was denied him for 10 months for the duration of his wife's pregnancy. And it was only when he supported Elizabeth's naming of his son, John, that his tongue was finally loosened to bless the Lord and to rejoice over his son. But not only that, secondly, in the denial of the promise, Zechariah was also denying the coming of the one who was to come after John, the one whom John was called to be forerunner to, the Lord, the one, the longing of generations to come was coming to an end. The Messiah was really coming and Zechariah's Unbelief had meant refusal to act as witness and spokesman for the God who speaks to his people. Therefore, the power of speech was removed from this priest for a period of time. Restoration came only when his heart was turned to his son and the one whom his son would spend his life pointing to and eventually give up 
his life in service to the Christ, Jesus, the Son of God. Similarly, those of us with the privilege to speak or teach within Christ's church are held responsible for our ministries. Just as the angel Gabriel removed the capacity of speech from this priest, so too God holds every one of us who occupies the teaching and preaching ministry of the church responsible to proclaim his word, preach the gospel, and to magnify the one who brings his salvation to all who have ears to hear, so that all may come to worship him in spirit and truth. God wants worshippers, not mere recruits in his church. The second passage this morning is found in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. A star rose from the east at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Magi, or seers, or wise men, saw the star and believed that a new king had been born. Have you ever wondered why they would want to worship this king? king who is foreign to them. After all, they were not Jews. Why would they spend two years searching for him so that they could worship him? And besides, going to Jerusalem, asking the townspeople was one thing. But to go to the palace and talk to the reigning king at that time was downright dangerous. What if he had them killed for asking about another king of the Jews? They obviously had not recognized Herod as the king whom they had come to worship. And they were right. Herod was an Idumean, a descendant of Esau. He was not of the royal line of David, Israel's rightful king. No wonder Herod was disturbed. And when the king was disturbed and troubled, everyone else in Jerusalem would be too, if they wanted to hang on to their lives. And when Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. So the wise men of the city, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law were consulted. Where will this Messiah be born? Herod demanded to know. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, after consulting their scriptures. According to an obscure prophecy, 
from the book of Micah 5.2. It reads, Bethlehem Ephrath, you are one of the smallest towns in the nation of Judah, but the Lord will choose one of your people to rule the nation, someone whose family goes back times. And Matthew chapter 2, verse 6 reads, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. So Herod pointed the way to Bethlehem for the Magi to continue with their search. Brothers and sisters, the wisdom of this world can lead us near to God. As the Magi depended on their astronomical charts, to lead them to Jerusalem. But do you see that without the word of God, the Bible which we hold in our hands, or the living word of Christ our Lord, we can never come to God to worship him? Without the prophecy of Micah, the Magi would never have been able to lay their eyes all their treasures before the feet of Jesus. Similarly, if we neglect God's written word recorded for us in Scripture, we will be forever seeking and searching and never finding. None of us really believe that King Herod had any intention of going to worship this newborn king. So, why didn't he send soldiers to accompany the Magi and get rid of the child when they found him? Since his intention for this infant king was bad, his subsequent killing spree confirmed that. So why didn't he take their quest seriously? Or was it like Zechariah? Herod simply did not believe what scripture had to say that God would send his Messiah, who was to be born in Bethlehem, Herod mistakenly believed that God would not send another king to Israel, since he was already king. He was the promised one. There was no need for another. So after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, 
they returned to their country by another route. Whatever his reason, Herod failed to act in accordance to what had been told him by the Magi and his counselors, and he allowed time for the Magi to locate Jesus with his parents, offer their gifts in homage to him, and then they returned home via another way, in total defiance of his orders. Brothers and sisters, do you find it strange that the Magi were able to discern the Lord's leading through a dream only after they had worshipped the sun and not before? So what a privilege worshippers have as our ears are opened to hear God speak to us through the Holy Spirit in us. The scriptures before us and brothers and sisters around us. Joseph was also warned through a dream to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt for safety. And so it was that while Herod was ensconced in his palace in Jerusalem, God enabled Jesus to escape from the murderous clutches of this usurper king. Herod could not resist the king that God had sent to displace him. He might refuse to abdicate, but his kingship had been put on notice. The end was irreversible and irresistible. So what have we learned from these two passages? With what kind of attitude do we come to worship God, whether here on Sundays, at home, or during the week? Do we expect God to turn up? When we sing hymns of praise, present offerings, offer prayers for our world and for one another, are we not looking into the face of our Heavenly Father, declaring that He alone is worthy of worship? When we hear Scripture and the Word preached to us, are we not encountering Jesus the Son, the living Word of God? When we partake in the Holy Communion and the sacrament of baptism, are we not seeing the grace of God visually before our eyes? Are our hearts warmed when we gather together as the community of faith in the name of the triune God, in the unity of the Spirit, making us one body of Christ, held together by an unbreakable bond of love and peace? And when God comes around us, will we welcome him with open arms, fall on our knees in adoration, or will we dash off, find our mobile to take a selfie with him? Will this be all that worship is to us? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, 
the door will be opened. The Magi searched for the king of the Jews for two years before they found him. Would you and I have persevered if we were in their shoes? So, in our two passages of scripture today, who were the true worshippers of God in the end? Was it Zechariah, the priest, offering incense in the temple? Was it King Herod, sitting uneasily upon his throne in Jerusalem? Or was it foreigners, people outside the covenant people of Israel, magi from the east, searching for a king who was not even sent to them? God hears our prayers, but his answers may come disguised in ways we least expect. Who would have thought that God's salvation would come in the form of a helpless little baby, that the Lord of the universe would come as a humble carpenter, live and die as a criminal, crucified upon a wooden cross for sins that he had not committed, but which we have, be buried in the borrowed tomb, but on the third day, he would rise from the dead, vindicated by God, overcoming the powers of sin and death, and he would ascend into heaven where he is reigning today. And one day, he shall return to consummate his kingdom here on earth, and all the kingdoms of this world will bow their knees and confess that Christ is Lord over all. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and Advent is a period of waiting in anticipation for the fulfillment of God's promises to deliver us out of darkness into his marvelous light, for God to put right every wrong that has made us enemies to him and thereby be under his divine wrath for the forgiveness of our sins, for God to act in judgment of sin, evil and death once and for all, completely and finally, and for the kingdom of God to come on earth as in heaven, for the renewal and establishment of his reign over all his creation, and last but not least, for us to receive our resurrected bodies and to be with Christ forever. God entered our world on his terms, on his timetable, not ours. The encounters of Zechariah with the angel, Gabriel, King Herod with the Magi, were sudden, out of the blue. Eternity entered history, intercepted time, and forced the encounters. And similarly, Jesus Christ confronts all of us now. How ready are we to come to worship Christ Jesus as God's King 
this Christmas? Would we welcome him to this world? Allow him to rule over our hearts as Lord and God? Would we kneel before him like the Magi of old did and worship him with our gold, our frankincense of praise and myrrh of hope? Or would we resist him with the unbelief of a priest like Zechariah holding on to a gutless orthodoxy? Or the hateful rage of a pretender king like Herod? Ready or not, Christ has come and he will return very soon. Come, Lord Jesus.